over the next few weeks, you're going to be uh, hearing more and more about this theme of King of Kings. You'll be hearing from different pastors uh, as we tackle this from different sides uh, during the course of this month. And we're we're praying, truly. That, and I know it's hard. Good night. I, I, I think about the distractions that all of us face, that there's always something else to do, and we look at the schedule, and there's just one more thing on it, and, and it's hard to push pause and, and just say, God, I just want to focus on you. But we're, you have a guarantee from us that we want to make that possible for you, and so that's what we're looking at. But when it comes to uh, kings and, and royalty, we are enamored in, in the United States. We really are. We you can't pick up a tabloid, you cannot look at anything uh, on the paper or go online, and you're going to find something about the royal family. We're just, we want royalty so bad, it just seems like. Uh, you know, we tried to do that with the Kennedys, it seemed like. We tried to make them almost like they were royalty back in the day, and, you know, modern-day Camelot, that kind of stuff. And we, we've we always been, uh, you know, when it comes to King Arthur, Sir Lancelot, we we like that royalty stuff. We we just love it. And you may remember uh, going back in time a little bit, but when Charles and Diana got married, uh, every, you know, the world just took notice of that wedding. So that weddings changed from that moment on because everybody wanted to be like Charles and Diana. And then we've seen William and Harry both get married. And then when Harry marries an American, you know, uh, Meghan Markle, we would think, all right, man, we're almost royalty here or something like that. We just get caught up in it. And uh, I was seeing an article this week, the most popular children's names of, of 2019 were Charlotte for girls and Liam or Charlotte for William for guys. But there's a royal from the royal family. Those are where they come from. And so Charlotte and Liam were the, the two um, the two names. And we're just caught up in royalty. There is actually uh, uh, there's actually a term for this, and it, it's this parasocial behavior. And this is what it means. Enamored attachment that is one sided that we live part of our life through someone else. And we do that with royalty. We get in, in, attached and enamored with that kind of lifestyle because we want to be a part of that, but it's one way. I mean, good night. There's no way Queen Elizabeth knows any of our names in this room. But yet we get caught up in that. And uh, that's what we do. We do that with celebrities, too, or sports heroes. We, we try to transfer ourselves to them. But we really get caught up into this thing about royalty and kings. And the scriptures uh, just lead us because Jesus is called the king of all kings. A, a definition of a king would be this. Obviously, one who rules that they have the authority of the kingdom in their hands and it can be gained by either inheritance or conquering. That's what a king is. Now, here's, here's the tough part about this month. You ready? We all want to see Jesus as the baby in the manger. We all want to see Jesus doing miracles. We all want to see Jesus as our Savior. 
But do we really want to admit that he has all authority in his hands as the king of all kings? Because if he is, you and I have a a decision to make. Are we going to submit and walk in humility or are we going to bow our neck towards the king? I want you to get your devices or your Bibles and I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, it seems like a little bit of a strange place to start. But I got to tell you, over the next few minutes, I'm going to be throwing out a lot of scripture, but and it's not going to be on the board. So you can just take notes, write down the, the address and you can find it later. But these are straight out of scripture. But Matthew chapter two, verses one through five. And uh, it's a familiar story around the Christmas time. But I want to I want to highlight something in particular in this. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, reading, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And he quotes Micah 2 right there to them. Um, This is an incredible question. Where is the king? You see, Herod uh, called himself the king of the Jews. And here come these Guys from Persia, probably. And let me just kind of say something about the Magi right quick. They were not kings. I hate to destroy your Christmas carol there. They were not kings. They were, they were incredibly wise, probably astrologers from the east, from Persia. And uh, they have come. They were not uh, Jews by any stretch. They were Gentiles. They were pagans, and, and, uh, as they would be referred to. And they make this move, this trek... And they are studying the sky. They have this incredible anomaly that God has allowed to happen there of the star that they are pursuing. But how in the world did they even think that there may be a king in the first place? Well, a little bit of history tells us that 500 years previously, there was a young man that was deported from Israel, captured in part of the deportation, sent to Babylon, ended up in Persia, And he was by the name of Daniel, the same Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, who had the buddies Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had gone through the fiery furnace. If you've not read that and make a great movie, that's something to go see. But but Daniel, we, we know, had incredible favor, even through hard times. He was incredibly wise. He interpreted dreams. He God had his hand on him. Nebuchadnezzar and Darius, the two kings of Persia, uh, gave incredible uh, honor to God because of what they what Daniel's life produced. And Daniel went on to write his prophecy. And in his prophecy, he talks about the Ancient of Days and he talks about the Son of Man who was to come. He gives a prophecy about the coming of this king that is going to come and in Persia. So these men... 500 years later, who would have come up under that teaching are now following on what they've been taught all along. 
And so they come to Herod and they say, where is this one who is king of the Jews? Now, what blows my mind is Herod calls together the religious leaders. You've got to understand, Jerusalem, Bethlehem is but a little bedroom community to Jerusalem. It's not far at all. They knew where the king was going to be born. And they were so indifferent, they wouldn't even make the trek. And here come these Gentile uh, Persians, Magi, and they go. And uh, we know what Herod did, if you know the rest of the story. He decided to have all children to and under slaughtered so that he hopefully would kill the king. We know it didn't happen, and I'll, I'll deal with that a little bit later. But what I want to do is... I want to just kind of take a trek through Scripture a little bit because I I want us to look at how Jesus is truly the King of all kings. And uh, I want to use Scripture as I do this. So, first of all, the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, the Scriptures uh, speak of Jesus uh, pre-incarnate. They talk about in Adam and Eve. You remember when Adam and Eve... The serpent deceived Eve, and she fell. Adam sinned. They, there was a curse that came. And in Genesis 3, the, the Lord says this. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So right from the beginning, God is saying one is going to come out of Eve that is going to be the one to take down the serpent, take down the devil. And uh, the devil will strike his heel, but he will crush his head. And we know that Jesus fulfilled that. But it goes on to not only did he come from Adam and Eve, but he came from Abraham. So it's moving in this uh, genealogy that it's come from Abraham. And in Genesis 22, the Lord says that out of Abraham, he is going to come for this blessing that will bless all of all of the nations. So that, once again, goes from Adam and Eve to Abraham. Then it goes, Abraham had a son Isaac who had a son Jacob. And in Numbers 24, we see that this one, a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will ride out of Israel. So we've gone from Adam and Eve through Abraham and now through Jacob, this one is going to come. Now, let me say something. It, sometimes we read the Bible as though it were uh, all written at one time. You know, like any book, we're thinking, okay, you got to understand, it took 1,400 years from the beginning to write to the Revelation. So these people, you know, we're talking about much history going on. It wasn't like somebody could just, oh, this is the way it is. The Lord is working this thing out. So after Jacob, the Jacob had 12 sons, and uh, one of them was named Judah. And the Scriptures tell us in Genesis 49 that the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. In other words, now it's going to come... Even more narrow, it's going to come through the line of Judah. And then we have in Isaiah 11 that a shoot is going to come from the stump of Jesse. From from Jesse. So now we're moving on down. We began with Adam and Eve. We're moving on down that it's going to come through Jesse. And we know that Jesse had sons. Let me just tell you about them right quick. 
because Samuel was called to come anoint one of them as king. He starts parading them in front of the prophet Samuel. He starts with the best-looking, most well-built son, and he goes down. And even Samuel said, no, 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 no. You have any more? He said, well, I got the run of the litter. He's out watching the sheep. We need him to watch the sheep. Samuel says, come, we're not going to sit till he's here. Here comes this little, uh, probably ruddy, it says ruddy, which means would probably be red-haired guy, little uh, fella coming in, by the name of David. And Samuel said, this is it. This is the king. So we know that that is, and, and Jesse was his father. So David is now uh, the king. And we have in Jeremiah 23, listen at this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous savior. So you see how God began with the very beginning with Adam and Eve. And he had a plan that this king was going to come. And Paul says in Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. So we, we see that it was predicted uh, to come in the way it came. <clears throat> now, the, the Old Testament also talks about uh, the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Let me just kind of throw these out to you right quick. In Micah 5, 2, it says that he was born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah 7:14, it says that he would be born of a virgin. In Psalm 72, it says that he would be worshipped by shepherds. In Jeremiah 31, it talks about the slaughter of the infants that Herod would do. In Hosea chapter 11, it talks about that the family, and we know that the, that Mary and Joseph and Jesus went down to Egypt, and it talks about the, the going down to Egypt. And in Jeremiah 31 also, it talks that he would grow up in Nazareth, which he came back. And you may remember in the life of Jesus, they said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Well, that's where uh, Jesus grew up in that area. These are from the Old Testament. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever came on the scene. Now, I read this week that if uh, we look at the prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus... These were just in his birth, that if just seven were fulfilled, it would be one with 17 zeros behind it. I don't even know what that number is. It's infinity to me. I mean, there's no way one particular life can fulfill that. And that's just seven. He fulfilled many more than that throughout his whole life. He is the king. The, the, all of history, especially in the Old Testament, is pushed to this king that is going to come. Now, uh, I know I'm giving you a history lesson, but you got to hang on with me. Also, John. John was one of his closest disciples. John spoke of this. You heard it in the video, uh, the bumper video. John said this in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning... Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then in verse 14, he said this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What does that mean? Hear me. It wasn't like Jesus just showed up on 
whenever the date was, some say it was 3 B.C., whatever it may have been, in Bethlehem, that wasn't his first appearance. What John is saying from the very beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit existed. Jesus has always been. But what happened is that God revealed himself to mankind so that we can understand by sending Jesus. Okay? That's what John is saying. Um, the way I look at it a little bit is that it's a Wonderful Life movie. I, mean, I know it's kind of old for our, our youngers. Actually, it was in black and white. And we think, man, that's cool. But it was just old. And uh, we, if, you, if you don't know about the story, go watch the movie. You can find it, stream it somewhere right now, I guarantee it. But uh, George Bailey, the main character, George Bailey's having hard times in his life, but he had made high impact. He was never able to do what he wanted to do, but he, had, he came upon some hard times, and he prayed this prayer that he wished he'd never been born. And so he has this picture of what life would have been like if he would have never been born. And uh, so it, these the chaos is happening. The things that he had made difference in, it's, it's uh, dysfunctional. Uh, it's chaotic. And uh, so he, but there's one scene that I remember with, uh, this is where Bert and Ernie came from. How about that? Uh, the, you know, Bert and Ernie, the cab driver and the cop. And uh, he says, he says, Bert, don't you know me? Don't you recognize me? And, and I thought about that. I thought, you know, that's the way it is with God. He's our creator. He's majestic. He's holy. He gives us breath. He gives us life. And yet here he comes and says, don't you know me? Don't you even know me? And, the, and we didn't. We rejected even Jesus at that point. So that's what John says. But John also wrote the Revelation at the end of the Bible. And in Revelation, he talks about one who is going to come, who is the king of all kings. And this is the glorified Jesus as well. So the Old Testament talks about it. John talked about it. Paul, the Apostle Paul, talked about it. He, uh, in Colossians, uh, he talks about how that Jesus is the agent of creation. It says in Colossians 1.15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. Jesus was the agent of creation. He's always been. And in Philippians 2, which you also heard read in the bumper, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What Paul is saying, hang on to this, okay? Jesus, pre-incarnate, existed from the very beginning, the agent of creation. He emptied himself of all of that glory, and he chose to come into these earth suits just like you and me to live and breathe this air. You talk about handicapped. You talk about limited. I mean, this is the God of glory. Choose to come and live in one of these just like you and me. 
And that's what Paul said. And this is the king of all kings. Now, lastly, Old Testament says it. John said it. Paul said it. Even Jesus himself said it in the high priestly prayer in John 17. He says this, John 17, 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And in verse 24, he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. You see what Jesus is saying? I have existed before the creation of the world. I've always existed. The Old Testament points to him coming, these prophetic things. John talked about it. Paul talked about it. Jesus himself said this. So here's my deal. Y'all know the way I'm wired. So what? I mean, what does that really make a difference in you and me? I mean, okay, Mark, you gave us a good history lesson, good Bible lesson. Let's pray and go. No, let's apply right quick. Four quick things, I promise you, that that I think we need to hear and we need to know. But this is what it tells me. Number one, it tells me salvation is certain. It tells me salvation is certain. I don't have to guess if God is enough. I don't have to guess if Jesus' sacrifice was enough. He was perfect. He came from the very beginning. He came to live in one of these earth suits just like me. He lived the perfect life. He was the perfect sacrifice. I know my salvation is certain. I can trust him to keep that because he is the king of all kings. He is not going to go back on his word. He is not limited in his power. It wasn't like God said, okay, Mark, you go do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. I needed the king of all kings to come. And that is what has happened. So number one is this. My salvation is certain. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, what are you putting your faith in today? On you? On our government? On your good works? Listen, I can't do it that way. Only Jesus. So salvation is certain. Number two is this. And I love this. One day, all will be made right. One day, all will be made right. His promises will come to pass. I don't know what you're going through today. I know some of you are going through fractured families, going through health issues, going through job layoffs, going through all kinds of junk. We live in a world that morally is is declining. We live in a day of, of world powers just coming out of nowhere. We live in all these kind of stuff. I want you to know that one day... All will be made right. All will be made right. It lets me know the king of all kings is on his throne. And yet we're walking through this. It's kind of like a movie. Life is sometimes like a movie. Let's put it this way. It's like a Hallmark movie. Let's get into Christmas a little bit. I know firsthand that with about 20 minutes left in a Hallmark movie, it's going to fracture somehow. The, the perfect man and the perfect woman are going to have a disagreement of some sort that's going to wedge between them 20 minutes before the end of the movie. In the last minute, they are going to kiss. Maybe in life, we're in the 20 minutes, and that's what we're feeling. Hang on, the kiss is coming. It is coming. I promise you, 
I promise you it is coming. Sometimes life is hard. If we're going to live it, it's going to be hard. But I'm telling you, a day is coming where all will be made right. Thirdly is this. One day all earthly authorities will bow down. All earthly authorities will bow down to the King of Kings. All of them will bow down. North Korea, China, Russia, United States, Canada, Mexico, Middle East. All authorities will bow down to the King of Kings. But not only all authorities, you and I will bow down as well. All of us will bow down. And then fourthly, the last one is this. Each day is part of a master plan. Each day, each day that I live, I know is part of a master plan. You see, it would be easy for me to think on the tough days that God is not in control. It would be easy for me to go that direction. But I can look from the very beginning in Genesis how he had a king coming. And that king came. And that king is going to return. I know he has a master plan he's working out. So whatever I'm going through today, I know that God is not absent, but he is involved with me. And he has a master plan that he's working out. He's working out in your lives. Every one of us. And as he works it out individually, he works it out corporately. He's a great God. And this is the king of all kings. I'll end with this. Because over the next few weeks, you're going to be seeing this king in different areas. Before we came to Round Rock... We uh, lived in Stephenville, Texas. We served at the First Baptist Church there uh, for four years. And uh, Stephenville, if you don't know anything about Stephenville, Stephenville is a great place, but it is basically the cowboy capital of the world. I mean, more rodeo cowboys have come out of Stephenville. And uh, if you can imagine, Pam and I, when we lived there, we had our boots, we had our, our Wranglers, we had, we were there. And... Uh, in fact, I kind of jokingly said, everybody has a pickup and a dog. That's the two things that they have there. But but, uh, but more rodeo cowboys have come out of there, uh, out of either county there. So I got invited to go and pray before the Erath County Rodeo. And uh, it's an outdoor venue. Um, you know, people come and they're, they're coming. It's It's a big deal. Now, just so that you know how it's set up a little bit. Imagine the rodeo arena is here with all the dirt and it's been plowed. I mean, it is it is ready to go. The people are all in the stands over here. And then they have this uh, kind of come up. You have the chutes and everything underneath. But you walk up here to the top and, and that's where the announcer is. And, and uh, you, that's where I'd be praying from and from there. So you got it, the crowd, the dirt, everything's out here. I'm up here, the chutes. These people out here can't see back here, but I can see back here. And back here, man, are the uh, cowboys and the horses and everything that is ready to go. Because if you've ever been to a rodeo, you know that the way a rodeo starts is the, the big parade. Everybody comes in and, and uh, makes it happen and everybody gets excited because you get to see everybody come come through. But they don't know what's about to happen. I'm up here. Back here is all the horses and, and the energy 
was back here because it, the horses, the cowboys, the cowgirls, everybody is ready to go through that gate out here to the people where they are at. And the people out here are anticipating what is about to happen. And so I'm up there praying and, and uh, I'm seeing both sides of this. Man, I'm thinking this is really something. And so I get, I get to pray. Amen. And, and uh, the shoots open and here come the, the parade of the cowboys and the horses. And man, it is awesome to see the energy that's come in and the anticipation and the expectation as they come in there. Let me tell you what that is. That is what Advent is. That is what anticipation of the coming of the King should be like. And that's what we are called this season. King Jesus, come. Come. King of all kings. Are we having that kind of anticipation? Or come. That's what Advent's all about. 